Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, so much for pace of play being an issue. If every day at Fenway could be like Thursday, kids coming in free of charge, adults for five bucks, sun is shining, Red Sox walk it off, and in almost the same amount of time as it takes to play the song Bohemian Rhapsody. After a 21,000-minute rain delay, The Red Sox and Royals resumed on Thursday, a game of Sox needed to retroactively go back and stash in the win column, and they did it, and they did not mess around. A very quick recap and a look ahead to the road trip. This is Sox Daily. It's your Daily Sox podcast. It's your Daily Sox podcast. It's where you're going to find out what the Sox are doing. It's your Daily Sox podcast. No need to complicate it Thursday. A surgical, precise, taking care of business. The Royals had flown in from Baltimore, given up an off day, all to get dressed, take another loss, shower up, sit in traffic, then fly to Kansas City. Sucks to be them. Josh Lewin with you, and in honor of the quickie finish, this will be kind of a quickie podcast, too. Not much to sum up. I mean, six pitches in for the Red Sox. Christian Vasquez with a double. Chris Owings pinch runs. They intentionally walk Sam Travis. Brock Holt against a lefty, a chance he didn't have the night before. And the captain of the Jimmy Fund had already been on base three times in this game in its original construct. Third pitch to him. He walks it off by dumping a double into the left field corner. So officially 5-4 Boston in 10 innings. Time of game, 12 minutes. Well, officially 348. But a festive Fenway crowd turned out for those final 12. We mentioned the kids invited in free. They ran the bases after, just like the Brock Star did. Wonderful idea to begin with and a wonderful way to mop up what had been a disappointing homestand. No national anthem was played in this game. Uh, There wasn't a single member of the Kansas City media on the trip. And the Royals just beamed the Nesson feed back to Kansas City. That's what they did for TV. No media access to the players or managers before the game. It was like a game being played in a bubble. And it had been forever since the Red Sox had seen this kind of thing. The last time uh, the city of Boston had taken part in a suspended game that wasn't completed the next day. That was 50 years ago. Back in 1968, it was the Hawk Harrelson walk-off Grand Slam. Bogarts retroactively got credit for what is now his 38th double in this game. J.D. Martinez officially has 28 home runs. A happy 5-4 final, and after the game, the manager spoke. First, I, I, I mean, the job the organization did to, to get all these people here today, that was, that was pretty cool. I mean, you saw how quick it was, but the... the the kids around and, and, and the music and everything that went on today, that was awesome. You know, I know kids are running the bases. And that's what it's all about. You know, the, it's a game and we got to do everything possible to to get the young fans involved in this beautiful game. Um, you know, that was fun. That was fun. 
JT did an outstanding job. He's been good for us for a while. And, uh, you know, they, they had two righties. They pinch hit. We know there was a possibility that was going to happen, but we were very, we're okay with him facing lefties and righties. Um, his stuff is playing. He's been very precise, and uh, he's a guy that we count on. Um, I think Eduardo, the first five innings, he was okay. Um, you know, he struggled uh, with command, but at least he gave us five. Alex, this is obviously a unique set of circumstances. What was the mood like in the clubhouse? Did, was preparation any different? The the dugout when you guys come out? What 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 stood out about today that was different than every other day? Um, we had to be prepared for everything because there's different guys in the ro- on the roster and the possibility of. Uh, Bring a righty right away. You saw Waldy getting up right away with with JT. Um, then you know you got to go over what we're going to do offensively. And you know, in the dugout, I say it's the tenth inning. You know, like just to make sure feelings don't don't get don't get you know offended because I I hit or run for you. It's the tenth inning. You know, it's, it's weird, but it felt that way. It, it was that way, and uh, you know we have to pinch it right away for for Mitch. There we felt like you know Brock. Um, you know, he's going to put the ball in play. And he did. We ran for Christian. Uh, it was uh, a lot of stuff going on in 10 minutes. And uh, now we get on that on that flight over there. And uh, better note that yesterday, you know, uh, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. Can you talk about the jobs um, that Vasquez and Brock have been doing offensively this year? Yeah, they, they we, we miss Brock. In the early part of the season, um, you know, he tried to play through the eye injury and it didn't work out. And then he went on the IL, and it's a guy that, that we miss. You know, he can play second, he can pinch hit, he can come up, you know, play different positions. And he's a quality of bat with Christian. Uh, we've been saying all along, you know, in the offseason, he made some, some changes uh, with his swing. Um, you know, sometimes uh, I got to remind him, hey, you're a different hitter. You know, you, you you hit in 280, and you got 18 home runs, and you got 50 something RBIs. You know, you're a guy that we rely on. You know, don't don't try to hit singles to right field. You know, just try to you know do damage. And uh, he's been outstanding for us, and uh, we're very happy with the progress he's made. Obviously, you know, defensively he's throwing the ball well. There's a few things that he understands that he needs to get better. But you know, we we get in the catcher that the organization organization believe. Um, last year that you know can can help us win another World Series. Alex, you talked about this off the top, but what's it like to walk out and see so many kids it's in unreal. Fenway Park? It's fun. It's fun. Uh, that's what it's all about. And uh, um, I don't know what the whole thing went went on. I know there's some free tickets and money for the Jimmy Fund, and but that's what it's all about. And and, and it, it, it was. It was cool. It was cool. Uh, they enjoyed it. They were here early. You know, we, we signed a few autographs before the game, and now they're running the bases. I mean, you know, for those kids, it's probably their their f- first big league inning, you know, and uh, that's what they're going to remember. It's like, wow, you know, we got re- we, we to gotta remind them that this is not the pace we play, you know, that usually we play four-hour games. But uh, I, I praise the organization for the job they did, and... Uh, you know, hopefully we can get more young fans involved with the uh, Red Sox Nation, and then and, and they can enjoy it. So, you know, this, is, this hasn't been an easy year, right? Like, 
is there have been challenges associated with it, there have been kind of like a day like this, how refreshing is it for you guys, not just for the fans, but just to have a very different atmosphere about what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. I mean, you guys you guys know me by now. I'm very optimistic, you know, uh, for whatever negative. I try to find a positive. But on the way to the ballpark, you know, it crossed my mind at one point. It's like, the way things have been going, we might play 16 innings now. <laughs> but, you know, I'm glad, you know, Christian put a good swing and then Brock put a good swing. But uh, now we, I mean, let's go to San Diego, you know, hop in the plane. You know, uh, it didn't happen the uh, our first West Coast trip. Hey, might happen in this one. All right, there's the manager. Josh Taylor gets the win, his first in the big leagues, and what an odd way to get it. You throw eight pitches a couple weeks after you throw three, and there you go. Nice job. Brock Holt, the man who made it happen, he spoke after the game, and here he is. Brock, you were anxious to get on that flight to San Diego, huh? Yeah, you know, you know, we're losing an off day right now, so uh, try to get this thing done as quick as possible. And man, that was fun. That might have been the funnest baseball game we've ever played in. How right about there. the way uh, you were chased and you went sliding across home plate? Yeah, I hope they give me a home run for that. I think if you touch the, I think it's a walk offs. If you touch the ba- the base that you touch is what you get. So I was hoping that they may they may throw a give me a walk off home run for that one. So, so Brock, <laughs> you talk about this being one of the most fun games. I've said this is the unique opportunity. So many kids in the stands getting a chance to come to Fenway for the first time. What for you made it so fun besides obviously getting the, the game winning hit? Yeah, I think it was just, uh, man, the atmosphere was so, so cool. Uh, obviously, a lot of kids, and I mean, one o'clock on a, on a Wednesday, and I mean, the, everybody was, the music was playing. I don't know, the music sounded louder before the game. The ki- fans were dancing, clapping into the game. Um, yeah, it was just exciting, man. It was, it, and, and it was kind of like, you know, we knew we could win it with one run. You know, and and I think that was kind of a kind of a cool feeling. You know, you walked in today and like, man, this game could literally only last uh, one inning, and and it and it did. So, um, pretty pretty cool day. Well, Brock, it was so fitting that you were the hero today because of the Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon, the, all the work you've done as a Jimmy Fund captain, and uh, it just fits nicely together. Uh, for you to be the star here. I'm sure you took a lot of satisfaction in what happened yesterday. Yeah, I mean, these these last two days, they're probably my favorite, you know, favorite two days of the year. Um, just seeing everyone come together and, um, you know, raise money for such a great cause. And, um, you know, just see all the kids come out and have a good time. And, uh, you know, I got to hear uh, James on, on the on the radio last night. Oh, you guys good, had, You guys good. had my buddy James on Lake and uh, play, played it for me uh, when I got home last night. So uh, I texted Pam, his mom, and, you know, told him, told him that I got to listen. So that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Um, he's a, he's a good kid, man. He's a good kid, and his personality showed on the on the radio last night for sure. Oh, we're so glad you had a chance to hear that because that was a highlight for us. Uh, that young man, seven years old, is fascinating. Telling about you and he making the shoes on the computer. Making the cleats, yeah. I wore those last year um, for a game. Um, I think in September he helped me create. Uh, I went to the Jimmy Fun one day and bunch of kids came around and helped me create cleats and he was he was the main participant he he had me putting all sorts of colors in there and um it it turned out to be a pretty cool thing and we kind of bonded over that and we've we've been close ever since so um great family uh special little boy and um you know what we're lucky to to be a part of a part of their lives and then he came wound up with a joke about tissue (laughs) yeah he's told me that one he's told me that one before yeah yeah i think that's his go-to that's a uh that's a good one he's (laughs) that that, and i I loved his laugh after after the fact so 
Um, but, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool getting to hear him. His mom said he loved being on the radio, so that was pretty special. Well, that's why it's so fitting you're the hero today, Rob. Well, Brock, thanks for joining us. And, uh, obviously, you're the hero of the day. You're a hero in that clubhouse because you get everyone in San Diego a whole lot quicker. Yeah, and... we're about to shower up, get some grub, <laughs> and, and get on the plane. So. All right, well, congratulations on a great day, and uh, and we'll see you down the line. Thanks All right, for thanks, guys. Us. Okay. Uh, All right, so the Red Sox are now 68-61, and 61, owing mainly to being just 23-37 and 37 against teams with winning records. So, very nice. They're in a two-week run now where – those teams will not exist on their schedule. It started with the suspended game completion against the Royals. Can these guys finally get on an actual real-life role? I mean, we know they can win five straight. They've occasionally demonstrated that, but I'm talking about a sustained 17-3, and three, something like that. It's going to take that to get back in this race. It'll have to be the offense to the rescue, as usual. Devers is rightly being mentioned in the AL MVP conversation with the frontrunner Mike Trout, who we will see on this road trip. Rafi leads the majors in hits, in doubles, and in total bases. And Mookie's coming on a bit, 11 extra base hits in his last 11 games, eight doubles, a triple, two home runs. Which kind of reminds us, uh, since we're celebrating offense and good people, happy 80th Carl Yastrzemski. His grandson, you've probably heard, is tearing it up for the Giants. Mike Yastrzemski was actually drafted initially by the Red Sox, but... 36th round, and he turned down a pretty high price to sign. He got drafted again by the Mariners three years later in the 30th round. But then after finishing up at Vanderbilt, he was drafted one final time by the Orioles, 14th round, six seasons in the Baltimore system, never went anywhere. They dumped him off to the Giants in March. And what has he done? Well, uh, 16 home runs already, 868 OPS at a three-homer game about a week ago. So... Next month, when the Giants actually come in, how much fun is that going to be, getting the grandson and the grandfather together? We'll look forward to that. Oh, and, and Pablo Sandoval coming back, too. One last thing before we scout the San Diego Padres. Uh, we, we do need to point out that these last few days at Fenway and in the WEEI studios, memorable and really cool because about $3.4 million was raised for the Jimmy Fund. Uh, it's been more than $53 million now raised in the first 17 editions of this radio telethon and uh, more than $146 million through the partnership between the Red Sox and the Jimmy Fund. Donations can still be made if you haven't made one yet at jimmyfund.org. Hope you'll consider doing that. Uh, it's, it's so cool when everybody works together like this. But anyway, on the road trip, uh, I would say if Fernando Tatis Jr. was healthy, the Sox will be facing three of the top eight OPS guys in the sport. You've got Trout, number one. Blackman is number eight. Tatis is currently number seven, but he's on the IL. Pete Alonso will probably win National League Rookie of the Year now, but if Fernando Tatis Jr. had stayed healthy all year, he might have turned in a 40-homer, 30-steal season with all that dazzling defense, a 320 batting average, and the guy is 20 freaking years old. This particular weekend, you might know, is Players Weekend, which in theory... I actually really like it. It's a let your hair down event, funny nicknames and whatnot. But boy, baseball just can't resist messing with the one thing that should be easy to get right. And that is the visual presentation of their wonderful product. I, I get occasional throwback jerseys. I really do. But this specialty uniform craze, uh, this weekend especially, it's going to be like the old Seinfeld bit about what we all thought the future would look like someday. Everyone in matching spacesuits. Because every single Major League Baseball player this weekend is going to be dressed head to toe in either all black or all white. 
So when you watch your favorite baseball highlight show, you'll be treated to a full hour of an unrecognizable white team against an unrecognizable black team. I'm just thinking, like, in the NFL, can you imagine the Sunday night highlight show is the Green Bay Packers in all white against the 49ers in all black? Then it's the Steelers in all white against the Patriots in all black. It's just a poor idea. It needs to be rethought. Other uniforms they did the last couple of years where everyone looked like crayons, I thought those were actually very cool. But anyway, as for Boston against San Diego in general, not a lot of baseball crossover between these cities other than Larry Lucchino and Theo Epstein and Sam Kennedy and that whole crowd having found each other as San Diego Padres back in the mid-90s, and that's certainly no small thing. The late George Mitrovich, who uh, chaired the, the great Fenway Park Writers Series, he's got that connection. On the field, well, there's Tim Lawler and Bruce Hurst and Adrian Gonzalez and, I guess, Kinsler, who's had feet in both camps. Craig Kimball for uh, Manuel Margot and a couple other prospects. Uh, you can put that on the list. You can put me on that list. I'm, I'm working in Boston, living in San Diego. But on the field, these teams only see each other for three games every three years. And with the Chargers in L.A. now, the, the Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady showdowns have been farmed out. The current San Diego Padres, 59-67. and 67. And uh, Red Sox fans on the West Coast can feel free to boo Manny Machado for old times' sake. For all the money that Manny got, he has been just okay in San Diego. In fact, there are 140, 142 actually, qualifying hitters now in Major League Baseball. Enough at-bats, enough plate appearances. Machado's 80th in OPS. He is behind the Orioles' Jonathan VR. Heck, he's behind Christian Vasquez. If I had told you coming into this year that the better OPS was Christian Vasquez versus Manny Machado, you'd have thought I was nuts. The, uh, the Padres overall, they've scored 10 runs total their last four games. And for the year, you're looking at 564 runs for San Diego, 739 for the Red Sox. But the Padres do have some mashers in their lineup, including Hunter Renfro. He's got 31 home runs. That's three more than the Red Sox leader and J.D. Martinez. Kirby Yates has 36 saves. Uh, the Red Sox leader is Brandon Workman with seven. But for the Padres, this is going to be nine straight seasons for them now without a winning record. It's going to be 13 straight without making the playoffs. And they're hanging their hat on all this young talent that they've got. If there was a, a prize for the most puzzle pieces collected, the, the Padres probably would get that prize. It's just a matter of making those pieces fit together now to form something you'd actually want to be looking at. Two things I think everybody thinks about when they think of the Padres. First of all, the no-no-hitters thing. 50 years of business, 8,100 games, they've never had a no-hitter. They've had 28 one-hitters, the last two by, of all people, Andrew Kashner. Hello. Uh, the other thing uh, I guess you always go to, since the ballpark's address is on Tony Gwynn Drive, 19 Tony Gwynn Drive, is the great Tony Gwynn, who very sadly passed away way too soon a few years ago. You could talk about the 3,141 hits, the career third, the 338 batting average, the eight batting titles, but those numbers really can't sum up Tony Gwynn. That unmistakable laugh that would resonate through the clubhouse and just force you to smile, and that unmistakable Tony Gwynn drive. He, he was a guy that was never satisfied. I mean, you're talking about a guy who one season hit 370 and knew he should have hit 372. Between 1973 and 1985, i got to throw this one at you. The Padres actually drafted three Hall of Famers. It was Tony Gwynn, Ozzie Smith, and Dave Winfield. And I can think of only one other team who had a 12-year stretch like that, producing so many Hall of Famers, and that was the Red Sox. 
1971 to 1983. They got Rice in 71, Boggs in 76, Clemens in 83. Fisk was a little before all that in, in 67. But anyway, Tony Gwynn, uh, just, I mean, one remarkable stat after another. You're talking about from 92 to 95, the guy had more runs scored than he had swings and misses, which is just stupid. 130 combined at-bats against Greg Maddox and Pedro Martinez, zero strikeouts against those guys. He had 315 against Pedro, 415 against Maddox. He had 390 against Kurt Schilling. He was 9 for 19 against Dennis Eckersley. I'll throw you one more thing about the Padres before I get out of here, because they do talk about this in San Diego. In 2011, speaking of the draft, the Padres had, among other picks, they had pick number 173 that year. They had the name Mookie Betts on a card to submit for that pick once the fifth round began, had it on an index card. However, pick number 172 belonged to Boston, and they too had an index card that said Mookie Betts on it. The Padres were that close to getting the guy that, well, was an MVP for the, uh, the Boston Red Sox. So with that stated, let's look at the pitching matchup for Friday. Eduardo Rodriguez, 14-5, and five, despite an ERA in the fours. Chris Paddock, 7-6 and six for San Diego. His ERA is actually up to 3.44. It was in the high twos at the end of August. This is a guy that uh, Jeffrey Loria ordered, traded away from the Marlins for Fernando Rodney. And he's come back from Tommy John surgery and has been an absolute stud. Won't be National League Rookie of the Year. You got a lot of guys that, that I mean, we mentioned Tatis already, but uh, Brian Reynolds and Victor Robles and Christian Walker, Austin Riley, all having great years, but it, it's going to be Pete Alonso of the Mets. No more talk about Michael Chavis for AL Rookie of the Year, huh? Just not enough games played. Uh, this latest injury, if, if, even if that was a long shot shot, now, the fact that he's missed a few weeks now, I think that kind of tempers all that. But anyway, there's your Red Sox Padres mini preview. Really appreciate you listening to the podcast as always. If you haven't subscribed, it's never too late. And if you want to give us that uh, five-star rating over there on iTunes and, and leave a, a happy comment alongside, we're certainly not going to come to your house and beat you up if you do that. So thanks so much for everything. Talk to you on the West Coast. This is Josh Lewin. This is Sox Daily. Bye-bye. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.